Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is with Pastor Rob Santiago in a message called The Anointing, talking about doing the will of God with the anointing God has given us to do it. Um, If you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount, and then be sure to check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. Hey man, you guys may be seated this evening. I want to thank you for all those that are here in person and those of you that are joining us online. It is good to be in the house of God. I'm very excited for tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, you got me for the next four hours. So I hope you guys are well fed and you, you know, nothing's going to distract you. I'm just kidding. I don't plan to be long tonight. Um, but I do have a message. I feel that God spoke to me that I wanted to share with the church. Um, but before we get into that, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just begin to touch everybody, Lord, that it wouldn't be my voice, but it'd be by your word that people feel you next to them, that they feel your presence, that they feel change and challenge. Lord, we thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I was, um, I was thinking about what, you know, what I was going to preach on, and I was really excited. I'm like, well, I want to I write something new. I want to I bring something fresh. I want to bring something that I never really spoke on. So tonight, I want to speak on the anointing. And when I talk about the anointing, when I first got saved, I had no idea what it was. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember I got saved with a kind of a group of, 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 of guys that got saved. So I was part of like this, this little clique in the church. And, and, and some of them uh, went off to be preachers and, and others uh, kind of went off the beaten path and, and they're no longer serving God. But I remember during those times, we were sold out for God, every single one of us. We were on fire, man. We wanted to be at prayer. We wanted to do it. And I remember we started teaching, right? So people would start doing little Bible studies, little five-minute Bible studies. I remember one of my friends did a five-minute Bible study, and he tore it up. And I'm like, dude, how did you do that? Like, that was really good. And I was, I was just taken back at how good this five-minute Bible study was. And then uh, someone tells me, hey, he did a good job. Huh? I say, yeah, he did. I go, how did he do that? How, why was it so, how was it so good? Like, we just got saved. We didn't know anything at the time. And, and, and they begin to say, well, he's anointed. And I go, I want to be anointed. <laughs> In my ignorance, I want to be anointed, man. Right? So all these speakers would start coming to the church, man. And sure enough, the same feelings, the Holy Spirit would fall, God would begin to move, change begin to take place. And then I hear that thing again, he's anointed, huh? I go, yeah, that was an anointed message. So I started throwing around this word, anointed. And suddenly everything became anointed. The piano player became anointed. The song became anointed. Everything was becoming anointed. Everything was like, wow, everything's just anointed. Everybody, and so the past couple days, I'm like, you know what? What what am I going to teach you guys about this? Well, when you look at the definition of anointed in in a just kind of a Webster dictionary sense, it means to smear or rub with oil, typically as part of the religious ceremony. I'm like, well, that's not really what I'm experiencing. What I'm experiencing is something different. It's not just a ceremony that I'm experiencing. There really, in some cases, weren't always oil being rubbed, but definitely something was taking place. And these people were labeled 
as anointed. Now, fast forward, I come to, I, I leave, I leave, if you guys know my story, I left uh, San Jose where I'm from, and I, I come out here to go to school, and now I'm still here, I haven't left. Um, but I come out here to go to school, and, and, and God made his pavement this way here, now I hear I'm an assistant pastor. But in reality, when I came here, I started to realize, man, everybody's anointed. And even their kids are anointed. Not only is a speaker anointed, but then their children are anointed. I'm like, what the heck's going on, man? What is this anointing, right? And I'm like, well, it's not this Webster Dictionary thing. But really, it is those that really have submitted themselves to the king. It is, it is people that have really dedicated, it, they dedicated their lives, they dedicated their understanding of God, and they wanted to know more, and now they know how to flow in that anointing. And I'm like, well, if I get some oil, can I be anointed? I want to be anointed. I want to speak like they speak. I want, I want to be able to usher in the Holy Spirit. I want people to feel the Holy Spirit when I speak. I want people to feel the Holy Spirit when I pray with them. And so I, I decided to look at, like, what exactly is this? And, and so let's go talk. Let's talk about Jesus for just a second, okay? Jesus. When you think about Jesus, there's this word that comes to mind called the Messiah. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the Messiah. That word Messiah in the Hebrew is pronounced, I'm going to do my best, okay? It's called Mashiach, which means anointed one. So Jesus gets this title of the anointed one. He is the one that is anointed. Now, when you look at that, you're like, okay, well, how did this begin, this anointing? Now, if you jump to Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, I'm going to read it to you. It should be up on the screen. It says, and they have, having heard the king, um, went their way and looked. The star which they saw in the east went before them until it, be, until it came and stood over where the young child was. This is the birth of Jesus. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced in exceedingly great joy. And they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, being warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod. They went back to their own country another way. So we see that these wise men come, some of you know the story or have seen the paintings or seen the statues this time of year that people put out in their front yard. And you notice that they bring gold, which is symbolic to Christ being a king and his deity, and then frankincense, which is purity, and then myrrh, which is death. It's what they embalmed dead bodies with back then. This was considered a form of anointing, believe it or not. A lot of scholars believe that this was the first instance where you see anointing. Now I look at that, I'm like, man, I don't want to be anointed. That means I'm going to be embalmed. That means I'm going to, it just sounds awful. But what I want to tell you is that God does these things, and we're going to look at it in another light. But God does these things because he honors us. See, one thing that drew me to Christianity was the simple fact that God wants to spend time with me. When I think about that, I don't know any other deity that wants to spend time with you. One time, I, was, I, I landed in the, in the Philippines. I was on a, on a trip for work. 
and I was starving. So I told, I told the, the guys that, that know me there, they took me to this restaurant I love to go to. And it's just an amazing restaurant. But this one time they took me there, I noticed that there, the fork that, that was presented to me to eat my food was really, really dirty. And I became like really pretentious about it. I'm like, no, I'm not eating that. I'm not touching that fork. That looks gross. How many would put a dirty fork in your mouth? Not many people would do that. Okay, so don't judge me. Okay, but not many people would do that. But when I read God's word, right, I, I think like he looks at us, you know, he may see us like that sometimes. But instead of telling us to get another one, he says, no, 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 we're going to clean you up. And this is the process I want to talk to you about. It's a cleansing process. See, it's not always this ceremonial process. Some people want to be anointed. I'm one of them. I want to be anointed, man. I want to, I want to do that. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to move. And, and, and people don't understand exactly what that requires of them. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. What exactly does that require? See, when I look and I, I start to take inventory of everybody I know and I consider that as anointed, there are several things I wrote down that these people have, okay? And the first one is the anointing and the position require submission. They require submission. This is a, a common denominator of anybody that I've ever known. And I said, man, that person is anointed. It's because they have this form of submission inside of them. I remember I was working at Biola, a university. I was working there, and I was one of the IT guys, and I would fix computers. And I had the luxury of, of um, fixing this man's computer that I just, it, his, his name was J.P. Moreland. It's one of my favorite authors. And he had wrote a book, Loving God with All Your Mind. It's an awesome book if you, if you want to read it. It's just amazing. And it, it really helped me a lot in my spiritual life. Um, and, and I remember he came in and he brought a laptop. And forgive me if I told this story before, but he brought in his laptop. And I remember looking at him, I'm like, oh my God, that's J.P. Moreland. And I got kind of starstruck, you know? And I was feeling his anointing, right? Like, whoo, this guy, like he came in and nobody else was around. So I said, uh, you J.P. Moreland? And he goes, I go, he goes, yeah. And he, he goes, my computer crashed. And he had the biggest smile on his face. And I go, oh, okay, well, let's, let's take a look at that. Let's see if we can get it going for you. And he goes, yeah, everything's on it. And he's just smiling. I go, so your computer crashed and everything's on it. He goes, yeah, I was writing a new book. I was wondering if you could just help me get that one book. I said, so you have a book that you're writing your computer crashed, you're smiling, and you want me to get it for you? I said, JP, I don't know if I could do that. So I start looking at his computer, and sure enough, man, it feels unrecoverable. I said, you know what? Let's come back in the morning. I'm going to try something. Let's come back in the morning and uh, give me a call, and we'll see, if it's, we'll see if I can recover it. I come back in the morning. Sure enough, the process is done. I look at it. I see one file. Have you ever done any type of file recovery before? There's no name. It's just completely different numbers, letters, weird characters, but there's one file there, and sure enough, his book was there. And I remember he came in, and I said, hey, Ms. Dr. Moreland, I have your book. He goes, keep it. And I'm like, what? 
He's all, keep it. I go, are you, are you sure you want me to keep this? I, I, this is something that you're writing. And mind you, he's an author. He goes, yeah, keep it. He goes, I'm going to write another one. And I'm like, I'm not going to keep this book. It's not published. And it's, he's all, no, 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 you can read it. And I kept it. I have it on a hard drive. I kept the book. But it wasn't anything he's ever published. And I remember the look on his face. I remember that he had no worry. He had no care. He lost everything on his computer. I can only recover one file. And he lost everything that day. And even when I found the one thing he was looking for, he was still joyful. And I was like, what the heck is that, man? And so I told my boss what had taken place, because you have to tell your boss, if you work in IT, when something like that happens, it's a big deal. So I tell my boss, I say, look, man, I, this happened. He's like, JP Morland didn't want that file? I go, no, he doesn't. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. He goes, I go, I just, you know, I told, I told my boss, I just feel like he was like really anointed. And my boss looks at me, he goes, he is, dude. He is, dude. And I'm like, how do you get to that place? How do you get to that place where you can literally look at the material world and you could say there is nothing that is going to steal my joy? There is nothing that can take me away from the love of God. And there is nothing that is greater than being in his presence. And that's what I felt. That is complete submission. There was an aura in that place when I was around him that provided that. Now, when I look at things, and I always tell this this joke. When people ask me difficult questions about the Bible, I just say, you know, I don't know, but let's ask Moses when we see him. It's kind of a joke, like I'll ask him when I'm gone, right? And, and I, I think about, well, I wonder what it feels like being next to Moses. I want to read to you this story because Moses is, is just a very common man. But in Exodus chapter four, it says, Moses answered, what if you do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is, it, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and then he ran from it. Verse four says, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand, take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took a hold of this snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord, this is, oh sorry, is so that they may believe the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And then when he took it out, his skin was full of leprous. And it become as white as snow. Then God tells him, now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Now let's stop right there. I want you reading ahead just yet. But this is what God does in our life, church. He continually shows us how real he is by helping us overcome our circumstances, our problems. And then when he fixes them, we feel like we need another miracle in order to go back to him. When God is saying, look, whatever you experience in this material world, I can take it away and I can fix it immediately. So in other words, he's teaching Moses something. 
Moses is being taught. He's literally being discipled by God himself at this moment. And I love this interaction because Moses is like, well, I'm kind of doubting. And if we're going to continue to read, you're going to see that Moses, I want you to catch this. He continues to live in the flesh during this moment. He continues to doubt God. Now let's continue to read. Verse eight, it says, And the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes a deaf mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is not I, the Lord. Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. How many miracles do you need, church? See, God is speaking to Moses. He's teaching him a lesson. He's showing him how to, that he can cure a disease that is not curable at this time. And he's doing it in an instant. He's showing Moses the different things, the staff. He's showing him, I can be with you. But even in the midst of him being shown that, Moses has a problem dissecting it and understanding it. He's not unpacking it. He's missing it, man. He's completely missing it. He's saying, you know what, God? I know you can do all these things, but um, I, I don't speak well enough. You know what, God? I, you know, I don't, I don't. Can you send somebody else? Somebody that's better. Somebody that's anointed. See where I'm going with this. Sometimes we look at people and we say, wow, they're just so anointed. I wish I could be like them. Well, you can be like them. There's something that's just different about them. Yeah, you know what it is? It's Jesus that's inside of them. And, and, and you say, and, and, and Moses here, he just says, please send someone else, but let's continue to read. Verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if we're, uh, we're your mouth and as if, we, as, as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform signs with it. So Moses says, you know what? God, I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough. I, I, need, I think you should get a substitute for some of these areas. See, we sometimes focus so much on our shortcomings, so much on our comparisons with other people that we begin to limit the anointing in your own life. You say, oh, I got to sound like Pastor Omar. I got to sound like Pastor Isaac or Pastor Rob. I got to sound like my leader. You don't have to sound like anybody. You just need to show people what Jesus has done in your life. And sometimes we overcomplicate. We say, well, I, you know, I don't know how to read. I didn't go to school. You know, I didn't. It doesn't matter. The, when, when God is inside of you, things begin to come out, man. I never, you know, I tell people, I, don't, I didn't plan like when I was 12, like, oh, I'm going to be a pastor. 
I didn't have that anointing. You know, early on, it didn't speak to me like that. Like some people, you know, it didn't, didn't happen that way. You know, I thought I was going to be an engineer, you know, and it didn't happen that way. You know, and, and again, sometimes we have to realize that God has these plans and instructions for our lives. And if we could follow them, everything else is going to fall into place. Amen. And it's all about listening to the voice of God, not sending somebody else. Not putting a substitute in there. You got Jesus in your heart. Act like it, man. Have some authority in your life. You don't need, oh, I need so-and-so to pray. No, you pray. Lead the prayer. Do it. Pray. You know, and, and again, guys, it's, it's one of those things where we start to get captivated with certain people. It's like, you know what? That's just Jesus. That's what it is. It's Jesus. So here's my second point. The anointed ones are part of a greater recipe to what God is doing. And they're not afraid of expectations. I know a lot of us are saying, you know, I, I want to be a leader one day, but I don't know if I can meet those expectations. I don't know if I can do what they do. The expectations are too great. The accountability is too hard. I, I need to go through training. I need to go through this. I need to go through that. You start to put these walls up, but you are an ingredient. I'm here to tell you, church, you're an ingredient to something great. It may not be something that I'm involved with all the time, but you're an ingredient and you're a different ingredient. You're a different ingredient than I am. I'm a different ingredient than you are. And God is going to use the ingredients for something great for his kingdom. So we need to start stop looking and comparing ourselves to other people. Some people are are great at preaching in the streets, man. You get them on a bullhorn, souls are getting saved, tongues of fire are lighting up the heads. I mean, it just, that doesn't happen with me. <laughs> Again, God has put a specific, you are a specific ingredient to what God wants to do in this world. Just like Moses was. As we see, as I read you the scriptures, we see that Moses is literally, he's denying God, but God is doing what? He's still using him. He's still using Moses. He's still working through him. Even through his doubt, God is like, even through your doubt, Moses, I'm going to work through you. Oh, okay, you want me to get somebody else? All right, what about your brother? What about your brother Aaron? And if you guys know the story, what is happening here is the birth of a priesthood. It's a birth of a priesthood that's taking place. And Moses is not recognizing that. As a matter of fact, he's pointing somewhere else. But see, we all know the story of Moses. What he ends up doing with the Israelites, he's still part of this greater purpose, this ingredient that, it, that God is going to use him for. There is a recipe that God has, and he has a different thing for each person. We all have a different purpose sometimes. And if you don't recognize it, oh, well, I need to be like that. No, no, you need to be the way God wants you to be. You need to be asking God, God, how do you want me to pray? How do you want me to preach? How do you want to use me, Lord? This is what the anointed people say. God, I want to know how you're going to use me. Don't use me like everybody else. Use me differently. I think about our family members. See, you could speak to your family members. I may not be able to speak to them. Sometimes people come up to me like, can you talk, can you talk to this person over here? He's my cousin. You know, I grew up with him and I'm like... That's great. Yeah, I'll talk to them. Yeah. And I talk to them and nothing happens. Yeah, I couldn't get them to convert, you know, type of thing. And then it's like, well, what's next? Like, well, you need to talk to them. 
I talk to them, you know, I planted a seed. You got to keep planting seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds. Sometimes you need to plant that seed. Stop looking for somebody else to plant the seed. You need to plant that seed. And stop being afraid of the expectations. Saying, oh, it's just too much. Get somebody else. God, maybe you're having somebody else instead of me that could do that. That, that probably operates way better. But see, we forget, church, that our God is a God of precision. He's not a God that just has this cookie cutter and he makes the same people over and over and over and over again. It's not how it works. It's not a factory. That each disciple is gifted in their own way. When you can accept that, then you can operate in that anointing, amen? And we need to stop being afraid to commit. Commitment's the biggest thing, right? It's an expensive word in our eyes, right? It's like, ooh, commitment. What does that mean? Committing to the church, committing to the word of God, committing to being a minister, committing to being a leader, committing to, when you start to do those things, God begins to use you when you step out in faith. I think sometimes we're always looking for the answer. We say, well, I got to know the, well, God, what do you want to do with me? And then maybe we can come into agreement. That's not how it works. It's not a negotiation. It's not like, oh, well, God, what do you want to use me for? What do you want to tell me? And then I'll see if I could do it. That's not how it works. I wish it did, but it's not how it works. You know, and then sometimes we're chasing other people's ministries. Yeah, watch out. Sometimes we're chasing other people. Oh, I want to be like that guy. Well, maybe God didn't have that plan for you. Are you sure you want to get caught up in that? Because that's a very serious thing. You know, that person is anointed, amen. They're doing their thing. Are you sure you want to be like that? You can miss your calling because you're just focused on that person rather than focusing on Jesus. You know, and, and again, if I could speak for some guys here. There's a bunch of pastors that came out here and, and leaders that have spoken up here over the years that I've, I've been at this church. They've poured into my life. And every one of them is being used differently. And you think, oh, it's got to be, uh, you know, it's got to be this person. It's got to be that person. I know, uh, you know, during our harvesters, when we launch out new pastors, everybody's like, yeah, I know who's going next. It's like, do you? Do you really know? Because... Does anybody really know, right? There's really one man that knows if you didn't know that. All right, if you didn't know, that's our pastor. He's the only one that knows. And, and, and it's because there's an anointing that God is using him for. That God is speaking to him about certain people. And, and again, we are all used in a different way. That doesn't mean that God is going to use you in the same way. It doesn't happen that way. You know, and I, I think we get caught up in that and... And, uh, and I would just tell people, man, I'm just going through it, man. I'm going to see what God does. You know, he may push me to go do something or he may have me do something else. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to say, I'm going to make the declaration that whatever God wants me to do, I'm going to do it. Amen. I'm going to search for it. God, what's next? If that means I have to preach here for 20 years, that means I have to preach here for 20 more years. Amen. And then that's the type of attitude that we should have. And the next point that I want to bring is the anointing and the position cannot take place without preparation and cleansing. See, we see Moses, he begins to say, God, you know, get somebody else. So then God says, all right, what about your brother Aaron? As the, script, as the scriptures say, 
So then Aaron comes up, right? But there is a cleansing process to this. In Exodus chapter 9, or sorry, Exodus chapter 29, verse 7, it says, Take the anointing oil and anoint him by anoint him by pouring it on his head. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics and fasten caps on them. Then tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by a lasting ordinance. Then you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Now, it wasn't just Aaron. It says specifically ordain Aaron and his sons. In other words, when you begin to submit yourself to this cleansing of God just cleansing you, building you up, renewing your mind, changing how you think, changing your priorities in your life. When you begin to get formed and discipled by the Spirit, you start to realize that it has a a lasting effect, not only on yourself, but on the people around you. His sons were blessed. This scares me a little bit. I don't want to be the guy that says, you know what, God? Not for me and my family. I don't want to be that guy. Not for me and my family. You got the wrong guy. Use somebody else. See, I look at this and I'm like, man, what is Moses going through at this moment? He's being told to anoint someone else. Now we know Moses serves a major purpose in history, in world history, in biblical history. He serves his purpose. But Moses is doing these things. In Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, everything that God is telling Moses, he's still being obedient about it. So in Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calamus. I don't know what any of this is, to be honest with you guys. Okay? All according to the, the sanctuary shekel and a hint of olive oil, make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant of the Law, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense. Why am I reading this to you? I'm reading this to you because you could see that God is seeing everything as holy. He's not looking at it as like, okay, it's just a lampstand. No, we're going to anoint everything in this tabernacle that we're building. And we're going to anoint Aaron. We're going to anoint his sons. We're going to establish a priesthood. And it's going to be because I love you. In other words, he's not going to look at us and say, I don't know if you're ready. I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's that. I, you know, I I don't know if, if, if you could do the job. Those are things we tell ourselves, but those are not the things that are being said. This renewal of the mind, this renewing process is something that you should seek, church. The Bible talks about it frequently, that we are renewed. In other words, you don't go back to what you were. You don't think the same way when Jesus is inside of you. Stop trying to adopt the thinking of the world and then trying to live for Jesus. It's not going to work. People are going to think you're crazy that you're at church right now. And it frustrates me to think, oh, okay, well, yeah, they're crazy. It's like, don't fall for that. We want to worship God, amen? We want to be with our our people. We want want to worship together. And the world doesn't understand that. 
And again, it's one of those things, church, where you have to really commit everything to him. You allow the renew, you allow yourself to be completely changed. It's not temporary. So you can meet some requirements two or three days a week. You're not doing it because your friends are doing it. You're doing it because you're in love with God. I love what Pastor Mike said the other day. He says, I'm not, I'm not ministering and, and discipling you because I love you. I'm paraphrasing. But he said, I do it because I love God and I'm being obedient to him. Sometimes we have to do things that just like, hey, you know, God put this person in our lives. We got to help them out. You know, and, and sometimes you got to be there for people. You got to be there for people that, you, you know, you wouldn't kick it with. You know, you got to be there for people. And this is what Jesus does to us. Because when, when, you, when you begin to think that way, then you're catching it. You, you start to look at people differently. Yeah, we could fall in love with people, but first and foremost, I want to satisfy God. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I love God more than I love any of you. You know, and, 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 it, and it's tough to say that. I know it's like, well, that's really mean to say it. Well, hey, that's how it should be. Amen. You should love God more than you love me. You know, and, and, it, it, and that changes some things, right? That changes some things. That means you're not calling me all the time, right? That means you're calling God most of the time. Amen. You see how that flip-flops? You're right. The way that works, it's interesting, right? Let's say, well, you know, I'm going to call this person. It's like, well, yeah, but you know, you really need to call on God now. We've done this for hours. We've, you know, we need to really, it's now it's your time to really call on God. And we're going to get through this. I'm going to be here for you. But listen, you got to call on God. These are, you know, and, and sometimes we forget that, church. We forget that, look, that God wants to spend time with us. As I said it earlier, right? He wants to spend time with you. He doesn't look at you and says, oh, you're kind of dirty. We need to clean you up still. He looks at you just as he looked at his Aaron and, and, and his sons and he says, put anointing oil on them. We're gonna clean them. We're gonna clean them up right now. Moses, let's start this right now, Moses. Let's just begin to, let's clean them up, amen? See, the anointed, the anointed allow God to work out their plan. So you may be sitting here today, you're like, I don't, you know what, Rob, I don't know what God's plan is for my life. Well, you don't have to know it. I got caught up in that in my own personal life. Like, oh, you have to know what God, how God's going to use you. That's not necessarily true at all. We have to do it by faith. Just like Moses, you see this interaction between God and Moses, how God is trying to tell him, don't worry about these things, these material things here on earth. I can cure all that. I could, I could cleanse all that. Don't worry about that. In other words, and if you didn't catch it, he tells him this at the end of that first one. He says, pick up that staff. I'm wondering, why did he tell him to pick up the staff? Staff's been laying on the ground, but he tells him, pick up that staff. It's position. He's like, yeah, you denied me. Yeah, you're still doubting. Yeah, you want your brother Aaron. You want him to be anointed. Yeah, you want all this. But you're forgetting that. Regardless, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And I think sometimes we forget and we run away from God, even though he's trying to be with us. He's trying to be with us, but we're not trying to be with him a lot of the time. And say, you know what, I got a, I need a repented spirit. Because I'm not trying to be with you all the time. And I think this time of year, 
It's so important to realize that. We get so busy and wrapped up in what's going on with the holidays that we forget that he is with us. You know, and we're forgetting that he has a plan for us. That he knows us. That even though we're still battered, we're still dirty, we're still filthy, our sin is still there and we're trying and we're battling and we're trying to cleanse ourselves, God looks at us way better than how we look at ourselves sometimes and we forget that. That it's like, hey, you know what, man? I know you're battling. I know you're going through this. I still love you. Yeah, you doubt me, but I can clean you up. I'm still with you. I'm still with you even though you feel that I've abandoned you. Come to me, you'll feel me again. I'm with you. And I hope you guys are, are, are encouraged by this quote. It's by Leonard Ravenhill. I think I shared this in a prayer session one time. It says, the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy, then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. Don't forget, man, that there are people's lives have been changed because of Jesus. Simply Jesus. It wasn't a church. It wasn't anything like that. It was God's word that changed them. It started with God's word. Not everybody needs a prayer warrior or all this, all that. Sometimes you just need God's word in your life. We say, oh, I want God to be like, I want him to anoint me. Read God's word. Read read God's word, and that's how you remain in this world, how you remain holy in it. We're commanded to be holy, church. You forget, like in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, it says, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. And then in Leviticus 19, 22, to speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, are holy. So why are we holy? Because the God that lives inside of us is holy. And it brings me just to my last statement to you guys. If Jesus is inside of you, what are you doing about it? And how are you guarding it? Because it, I know a lot of us, we get caught up in, in our daily life and we forget about, hey, we got to protect our soul, man. We got to protect what, you know, what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to divide us. He's trying to mess us up. He's trying to, and we act like everybody, you know, I, I love this, t- this, this world we live in now where everybody's got a thought and they post it. <laughs> Pastor Omar, oh gosh. <laughs> so true. I feel the same way. Everybody's got a thought and then they post it. And some of these thoughts are good. Some of them are way out of context. Some of them are, and I'm just, I look at some of my friends that do it and I'm like, why the heck would you do that? What are you going through that you think that that makes sense? And, and, and you think about how we just live in these moments. I want to remind you to not get upset and do those things, but rather rely on God. Rely on God through those moments. I know we go through things and we say, oh, I'm going to post this or I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this thought. And I'm going to, I'm going to and everybody's got these thoughts. And I'm just telling you, hey, pump your brakes, man, because I, I don't think Jesus would be doing that. I don't think Jesus would be doing that. 
You know, I like everybody wants to call out the church. Everybody wants to call out certain pastors or preachers. Hey, just stop all that, man. Cut it out. It's about being anointed, man. People are struggling. People are still preaching. People are still fighting the good fight. You don't need to be judging people in their ministries. Amen. You don't need to be doing that. You know. Don't run from the cleansing church. Don't run from what scriptures are trying to tell you. In Micah chapter 7, verse 18 through 19, it says, Who is a God like, or who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Your troubles will be taken care of, church. If I can have the worship team come up. In Isaiah chapter 118, it says, Come now and let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. In other words, realize that you are something special. When you have Jesus inside of you, there's nothing that's going to stop you except yourself. And I want you to understand that you probably don't recognize like, hey, well, what is he talking about? I'm talking about Jesus himself actually renewing your mind and transforming you. A complete anointing that God will look at us and he'll look at us with precision. He won't look at us and say, well, I don't know if this guy can do it. I don't know if I can love that person. He doesn't talk that way. Rather, he looks at you and he says, I have a whole plan for you. Just as he did with Moses and Aaron, I have a whole plan. We're going to build this whole tabernacle. If you go on to read Exodus chapter 28 through 30, you'll see this process take place. How, Je how Jesus, how God begins to position these two men to begin to build this priesthood so people can worship him. The end result was to worship him. That was the end result. It was to have a place where he can spend time with you just like this church. Have a place where he can disciple you, where the spirit can minister to you, where that renewing of the mind can take place. God wants to spend time with you. He wants to put his plan in your life. And if you allow him to do it, he, I, I gotta be honest with you, a lot of people, when I talk to them, they tell me, well, I have these other plans, you know, these greater plans of, you know, I, I'm going to go, I talk to young people, I'm going to go to the MLB, I'm going to go to the NBA, or I'm going to go. We start putting all these plans in place. That's great. You could chase those things. But don't forget that God has a plan for your life, and that may not be it. That somehow God may use you for something even greater than that. And I think we can get caught up in our own ideas, in our own thoughts, in our, and just realize, you know what? The anointing is just really submitting to what God has planned for you. That's what it is. And so you're probably sitting here or watching online right now and you're probably wondering, well, what does this mean? I, I, I want to give you guys an opportunity. For those of you that may not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're probably wondering, well, I've already accepted Christ once before, but yeah, you know what? You probably fell away. You may need to do it again. And I want to give you that opportunity right now, if you want to accept Christ, I want you to just lift your hand. If you're watching online, 
and you would like to accept Christ, go ahead and put it in the comments there. But those of you that are here, lift your hand. If you would like to rededicate your life, you say, you know what, Rob? I've fallen away. I've messed up. I've gone astray. My mind has not been renewed. It's been shaped by the world. In reality, I want to be, I want to, I want to be in God's will and I want to accept them back into my life. If that's you, you just lift your hand. Anyone at all? Amen. Amen. For those of you that have, that have accepted Christ in your life or would like to accept Christ in your life, watching online, I want you to repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. I ask you, Lord, to come into my life, to change my life, and to forgive me of my sins. And I believe that you are the Son of God and protector of my life. Amen. If you said that prayer, those of you that are watching online, just go ahead and put it online there. We'll get some information out to you. Amen. I also want to thank you for those that are tuning in live. We're going to go ahead and dismiss that. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.